0: Welcome to KT Daily, your daily dose of news, views and stories from around the UAE. You're listening to KT Daily. It is Wednesday, the 10th of August. Rise and shine. On today's podcast, we have a really good interview with Samir Kantaria, the head of employment at Al & Company. But first, here's your news. The UAE is calling on all United Nations organisations to stop using the term Islamic State when referring to the group. In a statement to the UN Secretary Council in New York, His Excellency Ambassador Mohammed Abu-Shahab, Deputy Permanent Representative and Charged Affair, said they must not allow them and other groups to hijack a religion of tolerance and give credence to their pretenses. There is nothing Islamic about terrorism. A senior Ukrainian official suggested a series of explosions at Russian airbase in Crimea could have been the work of pro-Ukrainian rebel saboteurs as Kiev denied any responsibility for the incident deep inside Russian-occupied territory. And in sport, Nick Kigrios kept his recent hot streak alive with a 6-4-6-4 6-4 win over Sebastian Baez at the Canadian Open on Tuesday to set up a mouth-watering second round showdown with world number one Daniel Medvedev. The Labour Law came into effect in February this year and we are in the middle of the grace period. Companies have until February the 3rd 2023 in order to be compliant. Samir Kantaria, Head of Employment at Altamimi & Company, gives us his opinions on the Labour law. Sam, canteria thank you so, so much for joining us on the KT Daily Podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. So we thought it would be a good idea to get you on the podcast with the new Labour Law. and We've got six months to go until the, the Labour Law is put into effect. So what is the landscape like now? Where are we at with the update to the Labour Law? Sure, thanks Phil. Um, so, so in fact, uh, just to clarify, the
1: actual law actually came into force in, in February this year. So it is uh, it is now in place and it's replaced the previous labor law that that was introduced in 1980. Um, so this was the sort of first major overhaul of that sort of 42 year old law now. Where we are today is that obviously since the uh, since the implementation and in fact before that because the the law itself was actually published uh, late last year, employers have been making, I suppose uh, the the relevant changes that they need to on the actual law itself and of course there's a there's this grace period and so for a number of employers what they've started to do is to then start implementing these sort of relevant contractual changes that are required sort of issuing sort of new employment contracts and making sure that employees are actually sort of on board with the changes that, that they are required to make. And, you know, that, that process, as you said, we're, we're, sort of six months away from the end of this grace period. And essentially what, you know, what most employers are doing, I'm not saying all is that they are, they have initiated some sort of process internally whereby they're undertaking sort of communications with their employees. One in relation to the fact that there are changes, if they're not aware. Uh, to what impact that would have on their individual employment uh, terms and, and, and contractual arrangements with their employer. And then with a view that sort of, uh, you know, over the next few months or so, they will be sort of either issuing new employment contracts or amending, um, you know, by way of addendum, a new contract to the employee so that they're in line with the, um, with the obligations
0: under the law see, I see. When the law was announced in November, Tamimi did a series of podcasts about the new law. And in that series, there was great areas brought up. What were those great areas at the time? And have they been addressed?
1: Sure. So so um, I think there, there were, I suppose, a couple of issues that sort of uh, came up. Well, there were quite a few issues that, that came up under the law. Um, but I think since the that podcast series we then have the executive regulations to the labor law that came out. Unfortunately, they came out quite late, uh, just before the implementation of the law itself. So in terms of the sort of clarity the clients sought before the law came into place, there just wasn't enough time to actually sort of provide that. Uh, of course, the executive regulations by themselves so sort of clarified certain issues, but then also threw up new issues as well in terms of certain areas became grayer. Um, and and new grey areas were were introduced. And I think the the sort of major points that were raised by the law and the executive regulations were around the issue of, for example, annual leave, the issues around the fixed-term contracts, because, of course, fixed-term contracts was was a major change. Um, You know, why was the ministry introducing fixed-term contracts and getting rid of unlimited-term contracts? The, The whole issue around the compensation for... What we used to know as arbitrary dismissal, which was essentially capped at three months, you know, how would that now play out? So, so these were a number of issues that that sort of uh, you know most employers were were sort of um, questioning. Um, you know, certainly there were there were some areas that that you know was very clear. So for example, you know, maternity leave, uh, you know, that was extended, and it was then made clear that it wasn't sort of dependent on sort of years of service, end of service, continuity. That raised a, a query about the, you know, who's entitled to it or who's not and under what circumstances that was all cleared up. So, so from that perspective, there were a number of uh, areas that were, I suppose, clarified under the law or made clear, I suppose. But as you quite rightly pointed out, there were other areas that were big question marks over. Now, of course, the law has been in, in force for the past six months. Um, one of the things that, that both Sabrina and Jennifer said in that podcast is that, you know, Time will tell as to how the authorities and the courts apply these provisions of the law. And as I said, it's it's been six months um, since the implementation of the law. And we're starting to see some clarity uh, around some of these outstanding issues. And I think, I think the first one, for example, is why did the government move to fixed-term contracts? And I think there was a lot of question marks around that. And certainly through our sort of contacts with the with the ministry, we managed to get to the bottom of it. Now, and essentially the reason for that is that so sort of very soon after the introduction of the new labour law, the government also introduced Law Number Forty Seven of Twenty Twenty One, which is a law which would seeks to, as suppose standardise the general rules of work in the UAE between the public sector and the private sector. And part of this initiative is essentially the amortization aspect where the government is pushing amortization, uh, wants to ensure that that Emiratis are sort of joining the private sector rather than preferring the public sector. And this law, law number 47, was designed to essentially sort of set out the the rules under which both the, the public sector and the private sector operate. So it's so the minimum standard that operates between the two, and part of that is that there is standard application of, of uh, certain entitlements and benefits on the law, so that where potentially an Emirati individual is looking for a role in the private sector versus the public sector, they are then aware that, that these are the minimum standards and they're comparable to the to the public sector and essentially makes that role in the private sector not as um, or, or as attractive as potentially the public sector. Now linked to that is that all public sector roles are under fixed term contracts. So essentially, that's one of the reasons why the the ministry then decided that in the private sector, all contracts should be fixed term contracts as well. So that was that was one one I suppose clarification that came out. The other one, which is I suppose one of the sort of major ones, is the is the applicability of sort of arbitrary dismissal compensation. Under the previous law, the arbitrary dismissal compensation regime was fairly wide. And, you know, it would potentially apply in a number of different scenarios, given that the law itself around sort of terminations was quite sort of vague. Since the sort of new law came into place, there was uh, question marks as to when the, the concept of compensation would apply um, and certainly what we've started seeing now through the, through the judgments in the courts is that the judges are essentially applying the, the provisions of this new law in relation to this compensatory element of the law and in, under very narrow circumstances as, as, as was provided for under the law. They're not. And one of the concerns here was that the judges of, of course, being used to the, the previous law would still continue to apply I suppose the thinking behind the old law around compensation in relation to this new law. However, that does not appear to be the case, and certainly what we are seeing is that the judges are applying a very narrow scope to this. So that whole regime is is certainly changing now. Whilst I say that, I say that with a with a slight caveat, uh, that being that the UAE is a civil law jurisdiction, and therefore there is no binding precedent, and therefore. Judges, you know, can make one decision today, but certainly decide to go another way in a in a in, in a subsequent case. But certainly, the the as I said, what we are seeing the the flow of traffic is certainly to to apply the law as as it's drafted um, at present. There are still a, a number of I suppose outstanding issues that are that still remain to be addressed. You know things like you know, the introduction of notice provisions under probation, and the fact that if an employee resigns during the probation period and joins another employer, the new employer is then responsible for paying the recruitment costs of the employee to the previous employer. A question marks about how is that going to be enforced. Um, you know, certainly from you know our experience, uh, the, the the sums involved won't justify going to court. The ministry themselves are unlikely to be involved in any sort of enforcement action. And certainly we've heard that the ministry will will, will try and, I suppose, prevent or, or block an, an employer's uh, accounts with a view to ensuring that they pay such sums before they do it. But at present, none of that is in place. So it remains to be seen how that's resolved. The whole question mark around annual leave, there's, there's a lot of grey areas, although the the law itself appears to be pretty clear. The executive regulations sort of add a, a, a sort of slight twist to that, which certainly makes it unclear. So th- there are still a, a number of issues that need to be addressed. And, you know, as, as uh, Jennifer and Sabrina said in their podcast, I think time
0: will tell as to how these are interpreted by, by the courts and how they apply the law. Okay, so what is the cutoff for the changes to have been implemented and what do companies need to do?
1: Sure. So, so, so as it stands, the the current cutoff date is the first of February 2023 for everyone to be compliant under the new law. Um, as I said, the law itself provides for a one-year transition period. So, essentially, what employers need to be doing is to ensure that that all their all their contracts are now in line with the new law. And, and of course, the the, the major one being under that is the whole concept of fixed term contracts from unlimited term contracts where you know most employers would have unlimited term contracts those now need to be sort of changed over into fixed term contracts however there there is uh, from from what we're hearing is that there is some pressure to the government to to sort of try and push this date back um, under the law, there is a provision which allows the Minister of Human Resources and Amortisation to actually sort of delay the implementation as suppose postpone the 1st of February deadline um, if they feel that that is necessary. We're aware of a number of sort of major local family conglomerate companies that potentially may struggle to get all their employees transferred over. Now, of course, there there's still six months left. However, with employee headcount of, you know, in the region of 20, 25,000 employees plus, some, some organizations may struggle to get all of that paperwork done. So it remains to be seen whether they, the minister does postpone this date, but I would certainly not recommend that employers wait to see if that date is postponed. What they should be doing, especially where, where it is manageable and there is still time to get their employment contracts updated. And uh, and also look at their handbooks and their policies uh, with a view to making them compliant with the law. And then there are essentially new employees that that employers will be bringing on board, and essentially they can't be hired on the limited term contracts. So there is an automatic need, as at the first of February, sorry, the second of February this year, to issue only fixed term contracts to employees because under the law except those that were in place when the law came into force unlimited term contracts aren't recognized so there is still time and and employers need to need to start acting now in in order to make sure that they are compliant because the law itself then contains certain i suppose penalties that the ministry can impose on on the employer for breaches of the law it's it's quite a generic provision now certainly we don't expect the ministry to be sort of as at the 2nd of February 2023 to be going around handing out fines for for employers that are that are not compliant but um you know that's certainly certainly something that could potentially come if employers decide that they that they don't want to do anything
0: with the changes to the labour law are there any other changes on the horizon that's
1: usually the million-dollar question in the UAE because um, there's very little notification of what changes are coming in the future. And, and I'm sure you would have read about all of this. There's there's a real push for amortization. Mm-hmm. Um, you have noted that there was a recent amortization resolution that was, that was passed uh, with a view to supporting... Emiratis to get into the private sector, and this is on the back of certain schemes and initiatives that were uh, launched by the government uh, last year, with a view to supporting Emiratis in the private sector, be it essentially subsidising Emiratis in terms of salaries, providing for some sort of unemployment benefit should they be laid off providing additional sums uh, to employers where they are willing to train Emiratis. So, amortization is certainly something that uh, we are seeing a, a sort of big push on with regards to the sort of employment arena. Um, and then, uh, along with that, there are a number of, uh, I suppose, whilst well, not employment-specific, but so related to that, uh, immigration issues, um, you know, which were announced earlier this year, which are due to come into force in September in relation to the, the sort of provision of, of uh, green visas for certain, certain sort of uh, skilled categories, you know, the, the expansion of the golden visa scheme. And, you know, one of the things that was, that was announced some time ago is in relation to what they call a job seekers visa, where, for example, someone has been laid off and at, at present and You know, once an employee loses their job and essentially has their visa cancelled, they have thirty days to leave the country. This new visa is supposed to be sort of there to allow an individual to remain in the UAE for a period of six months so that they can look for a new job. So you know, there are there are certain changes in in the horizon. Um, It's just a matter of when they'll be implemented, uh, rather than if.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us, Sam. So appreciated.
1: Absolute pleasure.
0: Thanks so much to Samir for joining us. That was really, really appreciated. And thank you all for listening and downloading the podcast. So please, like, rate and subscribe to the podcast. Tell everybody about it. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow.